Good morning. Welcome, welcome. We're so happy to see your faces. If you will, make your way to, your, to a table where you can sit down and take a deep breath. I'm so happy y'all are here today. I'm going to open us in a word of prayer. Father, just thank you for letting us be here today. Father, we thank you that we, first of all, live in a free country where we can come together, we can gather at a church. We have childcare that's great and safe for our children. Um, Lord, we just uh, thank you for the effort that these ladies have put forth to be here today. Father, we thank you for our speakers. We thank you that you have given us your word that guides us and teaches and trains us on every aspect of life. Father, we just pray that each one of us would hear a message from you today that is hand-tailored for exactly what we're going through. And we know that through your living word that that can happen. And each one of us may walk away with a little something different, but we pray that it would be a direct word from you. So Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that you love us, that you are faithful, um, that you are right there. You'll never leave us in all of our parenting days or any time in our life. Father, we lift this morning to you, and I just thank you so much for each and every lady that's here. Thank you for the leadership team that sacrifices and gives so much to make this happen, Father. We just give all the glory to you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm Elizabeth Tamlin, and I'm one of the mentor moms, and I'm going to share just a brief, um, a brief something for you today. First, I just want to say, and I'm, doing, I'm telling myself this as well, just take a deep breath, like... Breathe in and breathe out like, man, you made it. You might have gone through so much to get here. You, you registered the minute the link went live. You woke up. You got yourself ready. You got little people ready. You buckled and strapped and zipped and tied all kinds of things to make it here. You came out in the rain, and maybe you got sprinkled on or rained on, and you did all kinds of things to get here. And I just want to say, well done, Mama, because it's not easy. And I know that all the time, but today I brought my grandkids, and I know, like, it's very... I, it's very, very uh, back to real. So I wrote this before I did it, and it's like, it's so pertinent. But today, I just want to talk to you today about information overload. This is just a quick thing. Um, I just want to point you to the one thing that really matters, because I feel like today, there's so much competing for our attention, and I'm a victim of it too. But for you, you've got the obvious. You've got the little people. You've got to feed them, and then they want to eat again. You've got to train them in their sleep habits. You've got to clothe them. You've got to teach them and train them and discipline them. You've got to disciple them in the Lord. You have to think about swim lessons and school and Mother's Day out. And then there are husbands and their needs. And we know how that goes. We have extended family and homes and we want to decorate them and we want to clean them. And we have ministry and maybe we have a job. Um, and we also want to do things that are fun or go on vacation. There's so much coming at us that we are in charge of. And I just want to say hats off to you, mom, because it's not easy and it is a commendable job. I've watched you and listened to you and kind of experienced as a grandma, but there's access to so much information these days. When I had to select a stroller or a crib, I literally went to like Toys R Us and said, I like that fabric. I'll get that one. And now there's so much information overload. You can read reviews and you can check different websites and you can see what the influencers are saying is the best thing and the best high chair and the best and safest car seat. Um, and so now with the internet, we have so much to sift through. And it's not that I'm against that because I think that's great and I like to be well informed, but sometimes it just feels like a little too much. And so um, today I just, we can literally research anything. We can even diagnose ourselves or diagnose our children. Um, and usually it's a fatal disease for me when I go to WebMD. We can buy literally anything online. I've bought is something as small as like a package of screws, and it came to my house. Like, that's awesome. There's so many good things about it. But I just want to tell you that in a few years, you're not going to need the up a baby stroller. And you're not going to need the high chair anymore. 
and your pantry that is perfectly organized from the blogger that you follow is not going to have um, graham crackers and those little goldfish in it anymore. There's one thing that lasts, and there's one thing that lasts in life, and that is from Isaiah 48. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. So today I just want to encourage you. That's the one thing that lasts. Even your kids are going to grow up and leave. And for some people that's harder than others. For me that was really hard because I had just invested my life in them. And then they, they grew up, and that's what they're supposed to do. Um, but God's word remains. It is eternal. And the other thing is it can't be taken from you. Any time you invest in God's word, it cannot be taken from you. I was reminded of the story of Martha and Mary where Martha's busy, busy, busy with all the preparations. And that may be how you feel in this season right now. Like, I got to cook and I got to clean. I got to do da-da-da-da. But, but here's what Jesus said. I'm doing a Bible study with a small group right now. And it says this in Luke 10. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. And that one thing that she did that, was, that she chose and that, she, that, was, that was not taken from her is spending time at, at, the, in, in Jesus, at his feet, in Jesus. So for us, that would be prayer or, or um, sitting at his feet in the word of God. And so you may have heard me say that I'm a big scripture memory person because I can read the book, the Bible, and I do, but when I really t- take it and tackle a passage, then that's when it really comes into my heart where I can remember it. And it helps me like if I'm in traffic or if I'm in the middle of the night or I'm feeling stressful, I can go back to those passages that I know by heart. And I used to try to be like I had a bunch of ones memorized in different passages, but then I couldn't remember the reference number and I'd get them mixed up. So then somebody challenged me to do like a, a, a passage and you're thinking, there's no way, I can't, I can't add anything else to my schedule. And I would not ask you to. But there are moments during your day where your body's busy folding laundry, emptying the dishwasher, but your mind is maybe just floating out there. And um, so I would just say that I learned to replace it. And so I would, like right now I'm working on Psalm 19. I copied it or I printed it out from Bible Gateway. I have it in my purse. I have it in my pocket. I have it in my makeup area. I have it in my car. And just when I have a a moment where my mind is wandering, then I can pick it up and, and capture my thoughts. Because I used to be a very anxious mom and I would be nervous that for sure somebody's going to kidnap my children because they were so lovely. But thankfully that did not happen. But when I, my mind would go anxious and start to go off, then I would bring it back. Keep me safe, O Lord, for in you I take refuge. Or for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. So my thing was kind of the fear and anxious thing of something happening to my kids. But, but the scripture memory has really changed my life. It has probably been the greatest thing that has drawn me to be more like Jesus, even though I have a long way to go. We know that God's word is living and active, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the Son of Man, that is me and you, may be equipped for every good work. And right now, your good work is parenting. And so I would just encourage you to dive into God's word, because it's the one thing that cannot be taken from you. So I'm going to introduce, I believe, Chrissy. Yes, and she's going to introduce our speaker. Thank y'all for letting me be here today. If you are if you have any questions, or if you would even like to start like a scripture memory group, like my numbers flashes up there, or get in touch, because I have such a passion for this, I would love to help you in your journey with that. Awesome. Thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> love that, and a great reminder about scripture memory. Um, guys, I'm really excited today, because our speaker is someone that has been hanging around, around the nest for a long time. She was on leadership for seven years. And um, stepped down right before COVID, and so it was. We were just talking about it. It was like a, 
it seems so secretive because it just stopped and then everything just stopped. Um, but she is back to just bless us this morning with talking about some really hard stuff. So um, let's welcome Mandy Cisco. Woohoo! Okay, y'all, I'm going to have to calm down just a little bit because I'm really excited. I told, I told my husband, I was like, I'm going to have to like take deep breaths when I get on the stage because um, a lot of you don't know me, but I spent so much time here and I miss this. And somebody said, is it weird to be back? I was like, no, it's home. This is home on Friday mornings. Like I could almost cry. Um, so it's so good to be with you. Thank you for the privilege for coming back. Um, I want to start by introducing my family, especially for those of you in the room that are like, I don't know this person from anyone. Um, do I have a picture of my family? We're having some slide issues, so y'all have to bear with the slides. Okay, here's my fam. Uh, my husband, Lance, is on staff at Watermark. He works for the marriage department. He leads Merge. We've been here about 10 years um, at Watermark. We have... Uh, our oldest is a girl, she's 16, and driving and talking about college and breaking my heart in so many ways. And then we have three boys, 15, 13, and 11. So if, if you're keeping track, we have three teenagers in the house now. I don't know how it happened. It's baffling to me. Um, but I love to talk about parenting. I love to encourage moms. I love to go to coffee. If you need to know what's headed your way with teenagers, then we can chat because it's really fun for me. But today, we're going to start way back in 2009, December of 2009. I had a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a nine-month-old, okay? And it's December, and we know as moms that December is full and busy and crazy. You're, you're like nervous just talking about it right now. <clears throat> and all three of my kids needed well checks because they were all in that point in life. And so I thought, well, I'm going to be super mom, and I'm going to take all three of them at the same time. I'm just going to schedule them back to back to back. We're going to get it done. This is going to be a great use of my time. I'm not completely insane, so I invited my husband along for the journey. Okay? But you all know how it is. Small little room, stroller with an infant, two toddlers, and two adult people. And it doesn't take anybody long to turn the bed into a balance beam and the drawers into drums. And it gets a little busy and chaotic, and then, and then the nurse walks in. Now we have three adults in the stroller with the baby and the two toddlers, and you're like, I, I still feel good about this decision. I still think this is the right, this is the right call. Uh, the nurse starts working on Allie. I don't even remember what they do. Is it blood pressure, heart rate? Who knows? It's been so long. They start working on her. Caleb's in the corner. I'm not doing that. I'm not. She can't touch me. I'm like, yes, two-year-old. You're going to do this. He does all his stuff. Hand over the nine-month-old. She works with him. It's really sad when the nine-month-old is the easiest one in the room, but he was. Passes him back. Doctor will be right in. Okay, great. I'm reassuring Lance. This is normal. Allie's spinning on the doctor's chair. I'm like, it's fine. This is how it goes. Doctor comes in. He needs to look in Caleb's ears because he has this reoccurring ear infection, the kind that lasts 24 months, and you're like, will it ever go away? As soon as he pulls the tool out of his little front pocket, he loses his mind. Crying, screaming, kicking, doesn't want to do it, don't touch me. I didn't think we were going to make it through that episode. I, I, I thought this is where it all goes south. I'm kind of hyperventilating a little bit. I'm like, maybe this wasn't such a good idea, maybe not. And then he moves on, he gets the ears checked, and he moves on to talk to, an, uh, to us about an issue with Allie. <clears throat> 
need y'all to visualize this with me. Small room. Strollers in front of me, babies in my arms, because he was just checked out by the nurse. Lance is behind me with a crying Caleb, and he keeps going like this, trying to make Caleb, like, laugh, you know, stop crying. How can I get this kid to stop crying? Allie's trying to climb in the stroller, and I'm trying to listen to the doctor and make eye contact and pretend like I'm hearing anything he's saying, and I'm shooing her out, and I go to pull the stroller back about the time that Lance brings Caleb's face up, and my elbow hits his two front teeth, blood, screaming, the nine-month-old starts screaming because this screaming, and Allie's just still clueless and asking all these questions, and the doctor says, I'm going to go get some for Caleb. I'll be right back. And he leaves. And I'm thinking, worst mom moment ever. Like, why did I think this was a good idea? I wish I could take it back. I don't want to be here right now. And about that time, my husband hands me Caleb. Screaming nine-month-old. You're handing me a screaming two-year-old. And I go to look at him like, what's wrong with you? He has no color in his face, and he's slowly lowering himself to the floor. (laughs) He's now laid out on his back. He doesn't fully pass out, but he's half passed out. I've got two crying children. Allie climbs on top of her daddy thinking it's a game. I yell at her like any good mom would do in a panicked moment. She starts crying. So when the doctor opens the door... holding these babies. She's crying. My husband's on the floor. He's holding one donut, and he goes, I don't think I brought enough donuts. (laughs) I have never wanted to sink into the floor so bad in my whole life. I was like, I don't want to be here right now. It's a story that's funny to retell now, but the feelings and the emotions and the the just sheer panic that I was feeling in the moment was not. And I start there because That's similar to how we feel when our kids drop these really heavy questions or big topics in our lap. When we're not, we're not thinking anything, we're just going about our day and then all of a sudden, hey mom, why does Clara have two dads? Hey mom, what does F-U-C-K mean? Hey mom, my friend says she touches herself down there and it feels good. Our heart starts to race. Our minds spin, we go to worst case scenarios, we panic, the walls are closing in, you want to sink into the floor, much like the day in that doctor's office. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you that we don't have to feel that way. That's not where our emotions have to go. These topics are coming, they're coming, Um, and not always in the form of questions, sometimes in the form of confession from our kiddos. And often sooner than we think they're coming. Now, some of you just broke into a sweat just right now. And you're like, no, I don't want, I'm not ready. I don't want to go there. Some of you are here with your precious newborn three-month-old or five-month-old, and you're like, what are we talking about? Um, But there's no better time to talk about these things, to prepare our hearts, to prepare our minds than today. And so that's what we're going to do because, like I said, these topics, they don't have to be scary. We don't have to be afraid of them. We don't have to shrink back. We don't have to be nervous or panicked. And we don't have to avoid them, which sometimes, if we're honest, we do. I think that these conversations are the greatest gift. They are the greatest gift to you and to your kids. And I'll tell you why. There's four reasons. One, because they deepen connection between you and your child. Two, because they allow for godly introspection. Three, because they provide opportunities 
and four, because they strengthen our faith. And I was hoping this morning, if you would oblige me, that we could talk through those four things a little bit, and that maybe I could give you some verbiage, some phrases, some questions that'll help facilitate those four things when you're having these conversations with your kids. Does that sound good? All right, so difficult topics deepen connection. How many of you guys can maybe name, particularly those of you that have more than one kid, who's your hardest kid right now? Don't say their name out loud. <laughs> Don't say their name out loud. The fact of the matter is the, the, the hardest kid for you is always going to change. It's always going to bubble up and be a different person, okay? <clears throat> but I guarantee you, think about that kid right now who's giving you the most trouble, who's burdening you the most. That is actually the kid you're growing the closest to right now. At least that's what I believe. It doesn't feel like it. It never does. It feels like there's a wedge and we're constantly having to like have these intense conversations or have these hard conversations. Sometimes it's around discipline. Sometimes it's around a sin struggle. Sometimes it's around choices that they're making. And sometimes it's just their environment. And you're like, gosh, they come home asking me crazy questions from school that are really hard to answer. But these are the kids that we're growing the closest to because it's the ones we're investing so much in, we're praying so much for, we're diving into God's word, looking for answers to their hard questions. We're going to community group and going, how do I parent this one? Well, I need to know what to do here. I went through my Bible in preparation for this and I put a sticky note in every spot in my Bible that have one of my kids' names in a date or a situation in a date or a circumstance in a date. I went through literally every single page this is not a testimony to Mandy Sisko. This is a testimony to how God's word is living and active and is useful for every circumstance, every situation, every hard topic that gets dropped in your lap. That's what this is a testimony of. I, I, I literally wept just looking at all the ways that God has been faithful to deliver scripture when we need it at most and what it's gotten us through. One of the ones that I marked right here is in Psalm 56, and I didn't even remember, you guys, you know, we don't have a brain, we're parenting children, like we're just, we, lo we lose all that memory sometimes, and going back through this was such a gift to me, because I got to this page, and it has a certain kid's name, and it says quarantine 2020, and I thought, man, I remember that kid missed out on so much, so many things were canceled, so many missed opportunities, so much heartache, so many tears, so many late nights. That kid got to the point where they were like, I don't think God cares about me. I don't think they care about the details of my life. I don't even know if there is a God anymore. I don't, I don't trust him anymore. I remember these were hard conversations to walk through. But this scripture is amazing, you guys. It says... This is the NLT version because I love it. It says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. That kid clung to that scripture. And it was a good reminder that he sees you, he knows, he understands, and he grieves with you. And I love that that is recorded in my Bible. And it's a testimony to how the Lord came alive for them. When you're pouring through scripture with your kids, when you're praying with and for your kids, when you're partnering with them and finding wisdom, it's like glue. It's like every time it's like another swipe of the glue stick, another swipe of the glue stick. You're getting closer and closer and closer with that kiddo. Um, 
I love what my friend Millie says. She's in the room, and she always talks about being peanut butter and jelly with your kid. And that's so true. That's exactly what this is. It's partnering with your kids um, to find answers to hard topics that they bring you. So some good verbiage here is, I'm thankful you came to me with this. I'm so glad you came to me with that. Another thing to say might be, let's look for those answers together. Let's figure it out together. You be the peanut butter, I'll be the jelly. Let's figure it out together. These are phrases that will strengthen connections with your kids. Number two, difficult topics allow for godly introspection. Such a big word, but I kind of like it. It means self-analysis, heart searching, soul searching, but not with like a willy-nilly measurement stick. My My big kids, my teenagers love to say, well, it's not like I'm like all those kids in my classes. I'm so much better than them. That is not what we are measuring against. That is not our standard of measure. For believers, our standard of measure is the life of Christ and God's word and absolutely nothing else. And it's the same for us. And that's why we need this introspection. Lamentation says, let us examine and probe our ways and return to the Lord. The Psalms are filled with test me, know me, examine me. It's so necessary, but oftentimes the world just wants to tell us to just react. Okay, something hard comes along, react. I uh, opened my email the other day, and there was an ad from World Market. Anybody love World Market? I love that store. Don't love their advertising. (laughs) Their advertising at the very top said, stop thinking, just shop. (sighs) If that is not the world in a nutshell, like the world would say, don't think, don't don't measure your life against God's word. Don't, don't consider what God might have to say. Just do it. Just react. Just respond. Just answer. And that's not what God says. This came to full fruition for our family this year in a very major way. I'm going to try not to get emotional with y'all. Um, we had a kiddo at a sporting practice, and a coach yelled something at him from across the court in front of two different teams. Okay. He went on through his school day, went on and played a sport, and then got in the car. And you know, we do this as moms, driving, how was your day? And we're expecting to hear, it was good, it was fine. You're not expecting to hear the story that this kid retold to me. And the only, I'm not going to give any details, what I can share with you, it was inappropriate, it was illegal, and it was completely inconsiderate of a child's feelings. Rage was boiling inside my body. That is the only word that can describe it. I'm trying, I'm like gripping the steering wheel like this, going, no, that's not okay. No, it's not okay. You know, he's trying to excuse that. I'm like, it's not okay. Get home, I share the story with Lance, same response, which actually made me feel better. (sighs) It's like mama bear and papa bear times a thousand, you know, we just like lost it. Thankfully, by God's grace, a meeting couldn't take place for a couple of days, actually because he was on a watermark retreat. I think that was God's grace to us. Because it gave us a chance for this godly introspection. Because I think given to our flesh, we would have rushed into something very serious. And probably not godly, if I'm honest, because that rage was just there. But because of this moment to be able to sit and to think and to know what God's word says and to pray and to ask for wisdom and guidance and to go to community and get their thoughts and how should we handle this and what should we do, we were able to walk into that meeting and sit down, just the three of us, me, Lance, coach, sit across from the table from him and be really honest 
hey, we're human. We wanted to punch you. And he's like, but our faith says differently. So we're here today to extend forgiveness and seek understanding. And we're hoping that you're going to do the same and seek understanding from us to understand our kid better and to know that what you did has far-reaching impact. You guys, that wasn't us. That was the Holy Spirit. That was because God's word is living and active. You have to pause before you react. You have to think about what God's word has to say. And our kids are watching us. They are going to follow suit. So great things to say here. What does God's word have to say about this? Okay, even in the little things. The little things that happen on the playground. The little things that happen with a buddy that's a neighbor. Anything. Hey, well, what does God's word have to say about that? What would God have me do? What would God have you do? What do you think God would have you do in that situation? Let's talk about it. This is a good conversation to have. Hey, in what ways can you love that person well? It's really hard to love that coach. It's really hard. But honestly, I'm so glad we got to share Jesus with him. That's what it's all about. Love God, love others. Number three, difficult topics provide opportunities. So many opportunities. So many, and some of them have been so fun in the last 16 years. I want to talk about three of them. Uh, One of them is that it's an opportunity to be a safe place. Okay, you get to work on your poker face. You get to work on your best duck uh, impersonation, right? Ducks are real calm on the top, and they are freaking out on the bottom. Okay? That's what you get to do as a mom. You get to have the face that says, I'm so glad you asked that question. Or that's a great question, buddy. Oh, dear, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? How are we going to, what are we going to do here? Okay? But I think it's important. Our reactions are so important. You guys, decide today. When my kid comes to me with that, whatever, the, whatever question you're like, I hope they don't ask me, go ahead and prepare what your face and your body are going to do in that moment. Okay? Because it could come. And your reaction is everything because your reaction today will determine their trust in coming to you tomorrow. So you want to have a reaction that says, that's a great question. I'm not freaking out inside. I'm completely calm. Right? It's hard, but it's doable. It's also an opportunity to address emotions and feelings. Who would say they're a type A personality? Checklist, get it done, that kind of personality. So for you guys, you have to be really careful to address the emotions that are connected to these things. Because a lot of times when your kids come to you with questions, you're like, oh, you got a question? I got an answer. Oh, you need to know how to do that? Okay, you do A, B, and C. Done? Is that good? But there's feelings connected to that because we're human. We're all human beings that are in need of care. We all want to know that we're loved and cared for, and your kids are no different. So when they come to you with things, it's a great opportunity to ask them questions. Like, hey, that can feel confusing. How did that make you feel? Or that must have been really hard for you to see. That must have been really hard for you to hear. How can I care for you in this moment? Ask your kids what they need. Because a lot of times what seems small to us, like, oh, that's just a little thing and this is what you should do. This is what wisdom would have you do, is big for them. And there's some big feelings attached to that. Even, I mean, even for my 16-year-old, I still have to remind myself, like, she's only 16. So these things that I've been living with for 44 years and I'm like, oh, that's easy. You just... She's like, ah, 
oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did that hurt? Like, are you hurting? What do you need? How can I love you? It's also an opportunity to be the authority on where wisdom is found. And notice I didn't say be the authority on wisdom, because we're not. We're not the authority on wisdom, but we can always point to who is, right? We can always direct them in the right way. Um, just last weekend, I love when I get to talk because the Lord just gives me all these, like, examples. Last weekend, I'm sitting at home watching a movie, doing my thing. I have kids in 90 different directions, but one of them calls. Hey, what's going on? And I can hear the tremble in the voice. Are you okay? Do I need to come pick you up? What's going on? <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm fine, but I just need to ask you a question. Okay, what? If I have a decision to make between what's right or what might hurt a friend, I should choose what's right, right? Yes. Uh, so I think a few more details might help me give you a little bit more wisdom here. No, just answer the question. Yes, you should do what's right. You should do what God would have you do. What's going on? <laughs> I'm like, oh, can you? I honestly, it took me a minute, but I was like, I need you to tell me more information. And we got to have, I mean, it was a quick conversation. You could tell that this kiddo had found a quiet spot to like do a phone a friend, right, for some wisdom. But we got to talk real quick just about that really sensitive topic of betraying a friend or standing by your morals. That is hard. That's some hard stuff. But I'm so grateful that he turned to me. This same kid, we're checking through text messages, had asked like some rando girl for her opinion on something. And I remember going and being like, why would you ask her? You know where to go. You know where to come. So it's not always perfect, but I want all of our kids to see us as the place where wisdom is found. You want that for your kiddos. So you tell them, thank you. I told them, thank you for calling me. Thank you for coming to me. And I know how to pray for you now. And I get to follow up on that conversation. And we get to go there again and talk about it again. Great leaders are always pointing their kids or always pointing anyone they're leading back to Jesus. When I'm dead and gone, I want my kids to know where wisdom's found. It's not found here. It's not found here. It's found in God's word. Isaiah 33, 6 says, He will be a sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. He's the storehouse. That's where we go. That's where it is. And I want my kids to know that. Number four, difficult topics strengthen our faith. James 1, 2 through 3 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, endurance has a chance to grow. We, we know this. We are all a work in progress. Every one of your kids are. We are as moms. But in these conversations, in these hard topics, in these weird situations that we have to navigate in our world, faith grows legs. We get to act on what we say we believe, just like with that coach. We could have acted in a totally different way, but we decided to act on what we've always said we believe. If we believe God's word is true, this is what we're going to choose to do. This is when we get to lean in in faith and trust the Lord rather than shrink back in fear, right? And our prayer life reflects our priorities. I um, have a journal that I keep. I'm, I'm not very 
Anybody else a wanderer, a mind wanderer? You start to pray, and then all of a sudden you're thinking about what you're going to make for dinner. That's, that's me big time. And so I started doing this a long time ago where I just, like, totally doodle my prayers. I mean, it's just how I've decided to focus on what I'm praying for every day. And it's so fun to flip back through and see what bubbles to the top. These are my priorities. My prayer life is reflecting what I think is important and what I think needs prayer. And I love, I love keeping that um, as a reminder. Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It goes on, but let's just stop there and say, if we really believe that, that our help comes from the Lord, then we should be on our knees praying about these situations, praying about these topics. If we really believe it, if that's where our help comes from, that's where, our, that's where we need to be. Some good verbiage here is, hey, let's pray. Pray with your kids. You know what? It's really hard for you to understand why their family makeup is that way. I get it. So let's pray about that. Let's, let's ask the Holy Spirit to help you act in love. Because given to your flesh, you're not going to love that person well. They're different than you or they make you feel uncomfortable. But with the Holy Spirit's help, you can act in love. All right. We're going to break into table time, which I'm really excited about because we intentionally made this time more general. Because if we talk about specific topics, then we go down these rabbit holes that don't connect with everybody in the room. Okay? But now you're at these smaller tables where you're able to dive in a little more deeply to more specific topics. But I, what I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that our time this morning so far has given you a glimpse of why these are exciting conversations. Instead of going, oh gosh, I don't want them to be a burden to you. I want you to see them as a gift, that they deepen connections, that they allow for that introspection that you need, that they provide these really neat opportunities for you to be certain things to your kids, and that they strengthen your faith. And so have some table time. When we're done, I'm going to bring a friend up here, and we're going to do some Q&A for you guys, okay? Okay, girls, I hope that y'all enjoyed that table time and got to get into, like, some more meat of the topic and um, that's kind of the best part is that table time talk. But a really great part of the morning, the part I'm the most excited about, is to be able to talk with you guys. Well, for you guys to be able to lean in and just, this is my friend Terry. She's going to introduce herself and her family in just a minute. But I asked Terry to come up here with me because she's living in the trenches with you guys. Because I get it that most of you are like, yeah, I don't have teens at home. I have littles. And what does this look like with littles? And so... We're going to pretend that we're in her living room having a conversation on this topic, and you guys just get to lean in and, like, listen and hear, and then we'll break into table time again, and you'll get to, to have some discussion around that as well. So, Terry, why don't you introduce yourself and your family? Perfect. Well, um, I'm super pumped to be here with y'all. It's a little full circle for me. I've been coming here for about eight years since my oldest was a newborn, and when I came, Mandy was in charge, and so... I learned so much from Mandy and looked up to her so much, so it's just really sweet to be able to be here and get to chat with you. Um, so my family, do we have a picture of my family? Here's my sweet family, so precious. They can be little stinkers too, but they look pretty precious right now. Um, so that's my husband, Ben Caldwell. Um, he's my rock. He's everything. I don't know how I am so lucky to be married to that guy, but he's, he's pretty great. And then we have five kids. We have boy bookends, so we have an eight-year-old boy and an eight-month-old boy. And then three girls in the middle, so Cade, Callie, Kaylin, Cora Beth, and Cannon. Pop quiz at the end, if you can remember all those. And um, 
yeah, that's my precious family. I, about a year and a half ago, um, the Lord was having us process with our community kind of two big um, steps in our life. We were processing, should we have a fifth baby? Because we had always said four. And so we were processing that with our community. And then we were also processing um, this opportunity that got presented to Ben uh, to step in and process becoming the next elder here at Watermark. And so um, we prayed, we processed it processed that for a long time, and the Lord said yes to both, and we feel a little crazy for that, but it's been a wild ride, but um, it's so sweet when uh, just that when you walk in faithfulness to the Lord's plan, there's such sweetness, and as much as it's been a lot, it's been really sweet just to see um, the Lord's plan in our lives, so um, yeah, that's my, that's my crew up there. That's good. Okay, so I want to ask you, I believe that hard questions really allow us to trust God, right? Lean in and trust the Lord with things. I know you agree with us or with me. So I would love to hear a little bit about what that looks like for you to trust God. Yes, absolutely. I definitely think that um, hard questions can just help our kids trust God more and just depend on him more. And I think the goal of my parenting and I think the goal of my husband's and my parenting is just to raise kids that are dependent on the Lord and so not to raise kids that are perfect, that are the best at sports, that are the smartest, that um, are the most well-behaved. If you're around our crew for a second, you know that's not true. I've got a lot of um, independent, very strong-willed kiddos. So um, they're not perfectly behaved, but just to continue to point them to Jesus, to not think that wisdom and love and joy and peace is found inside them, which is pride, but that all of those things are found in God alone. And so that is the goal of our parenting and... Um, I love the scripture. I don't know. We have the scriptures up here from Jeremiah 17, 5 through 9. And it says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes his flesh strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. And that's Jeremiah 17, 5 through 9. And so I love that comparison of just like a shrub versus a tree. And so uh, we don't want to raise shrubs that trust in man and trust in their flesh, but we want to raise trees that completely depend on God for its nutrients, its water, and um, for the sun, for, for all good things, right? For wisdom, for peace, for um, love. And so, um, yeah, that is, that's kind of the model that we think of. And so I think that these hard questions really help our kids to um, grow in that trust of God. And we all want to grow trees, right? Like that's why you're sitting in this room today because you're like, I want that for my kids. And so what would you say the parent's role is in that? Yeah, so I think before our kids can trust in the Lord, they have to be able to trust in us. Um, they don't have the Holy Spirit as really little kids. And so we get to be the, God, the Holy Spirit's wisdom and love uh, for them and in our home. And so, um, yeah, we just want to do everything we can to develop that trust and dependence on us from young ages. And so we want to be, we want them to, like, foster that so that when the hard questions do come, they want to come to us and know they can come to us and that they can depend on us. And so it starts with the little things when they're little, like my kids, and, and it's slowly getting to be bigger and bigger things as my kids get bigger, my oldest get bigger. And so, um, yeah, I think it is, um, 
yeah, being that Holy Spirit for them, helping them to trust you. And I think that we can encourage the, that dependence on God in two main ways. And I think that's modeling dependence for them. And so um, for me, that's modeling quiet time for them every day and seeking the truth in God's word. And then when there's hard season in our life that mommy and daddy were uh, pulling up scripture and talking through that, we are praying you know, in hard moments that I would turn on worship music and just praise God and worship him when I'm feeling really stressed or pray in a moment of feeling really stressed. And, um, and I have plenty of those moments that it's, it's been a somewhat stressful year in our house. And so there's been a lot going on and I'll share a little bit more about that later, but, um, yeah, that I've just, I'm turning to God and depending on him moment by moment. And I think, um, and then also, um, I love to read a good book. And so one book I would highly recommend is Mama Bear Apologetics. And so that just equips you with um, some great theology and practical ways to teach your kids those, that basic truth that you want um, them to depend on and to lean forward. So I think first we're modeling dependence for our kids. And then second, we're proactively teaching them. And so um, I love the quote by D.A. Carson that says this. It says, people do not drift towards holiness apart from grace-driven effort. People do not gravitate towards godliness, prayer, obedience to scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch towards prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking that we have escaped legalism. We slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves that we have been liberated. And so I love that, and that's true for us, and it's also true with our kids. If y'all have little kids, especially a two- or three-year-old, you know that they are sinners, right? I mean, my two—she actually just turned three this past week, my three-year-old. Lord, she's my fourth, and she is my feistiest, and it is just clear she came out a sinner. Like, love her to death, but she is mine. That is mine, hitting, screaming, kicking, biting. That's where we're, we are with Corbeth. She's precious, but she is feisty. And so just that our hearts, like, naturally are not— uh, going towards godliness, and our kids aren't, you know, and so we as moms and dads get to cultivate um, godliness. We get to cultivate character. We get to cultivate hearts that seek truth. We get to cultivate um, all those good things, all those fruits of the Spirit. And I even think of my sweet uh, four-year-old right now that has been really struggled with lying, and so we pull up a good book, and we've been talking about um, The Boy Who Cries Wolf and other great stories that teach about honesty. And just yesterday, she came up, and she goes, Mommy, you know how you told me to not drink that, Izzy? Well, I just ain't tr like just had two sips of it, and I just wanted to tell the truth, you know? And I was like, thank you, sweet girl. And, like, let me tell you, that's not normal. Like, she doesn't usually tell me those things. And so it was just a small moment of fruit where I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, she's actually listening to these these things are teaching. So I think just, yeah. So going back to, I think we just have to proactively teach that because they're not going to naturally bend towards godliness. When Terry and I were first talking about this and it said like in bold caps, like raise dependent children, I was like, I've always thought you're supposed to raise your kids to be independent. Like I was really, I, and I love, this is kind of a fresh take on it for me. Like, no, we want to raise dependent children, dependent on Jesus, dependent on the Lord. And so I loved that, that she shared that with you guys. Um, and the proactive piece is huge, um, that intentionality. And so how have you been proactive? What intentional things are you doing in your home to kind of prepare for these heavy and hard conversations? Yes. Um, one proactive thing that I'll kind of rewind to is that um, in, with quiet times, um, 
I think the biggest proactive thing I can be doing is that daily quiet time. And so I'm just going to share a little bit of what that looks like in the Caldwell household. Um, is that every single day, I'm not a morning person, so I've had either a baby in my belly or like feeding a baby, breastfeeding or pregnant for the last like eight years. And so mornings are not a good time for me. And so I um, I've never been, and it wasn't before. You can ask my husband, even when I didn't have a baby, mornings are just not my time. And so, but as soon as I had my first baby, I made it a goal to every nap time to set that aside as my quiet time. And so that's my quiet time and that's what works for me. And I send um, every single one of the kids, they're either napping or they're in their room quiet. We have a timed timer, it's like a visual thing. You can write that down, it's an amazing little timer. And um, that we set for an hour and a half and if they come out, I add a minute and I keep on adding minutes every time they come out. And so that's my time to do my Bible study. And right now I'm working through women's Bible study, this, um, John. But, um, I mean, they will come out and, you know, y'all know, kids, it's exhausting. It's, it can be hard mornings. And I am, um, they'll come out and they'll be like, I just need my time with Jesus. Go back to your room right now, you know. And I'm like, clearly I need this. Like, I so desperately need time with Jesus. And then after quiet time, mommy's a lot better. And I am hit the reset button and I'm feeling better. But for us and me, that's what has worked best for me. But, um. If there's one thing you take away today, I mean, that's it. Like, find your time with the Lord daily because we cannot pour out to our kids from an empty cup. And I've never been so dependent on Jesus than when I've been uh, raising these kiddos and being pregnant and trying to raise kiddos. So I think that's the biggest way I can be proactive is just pouring into myself God's truth and love and peace and all that good stuff. And so... um, that's a little tidbit there. I think, um, so other ways I'm proactive with my kids would be, A, just like looking for normal ways in every single day life. Um, I love the scripture that y'all have heard a lot from the stage. That's Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Um, it says, Hero Israel, hear Israel, the Lord, our, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk with them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands. Find them on your foreheads. Write them on door frames of your house and on the gates. And so I think it is just a constant pointing to Jesus, a constant um, teaching them those truths. So when the hard questions come, they already have those truths written on their hearts. And so for us, what that might look like is that when they disobey, which is, you know, all the time, all the time, every single day, um, is to remind them that, hey, you're a sinner and you need a savior. And so right now we're going to ask for forgiveness to God and we're going to thank him that when we trust in him, he forgives us. And so to share that as much as I can in every single discipline moment. Um, Sometimes it'll look like teaching them truths, like when I'm cutting an avocado open and there's a seed, being like, isn't it amazing? God produces new life from a seed. And just starting to implant these truths about, um, about sex and that dad has seeds and mom has an egg and just to really make it normative to talk about those things. And um, some other examples might be um, like on our anniversary I pulled this from someone else and I haven't done this yet, but I think it's a great idea to pull out your photo album and talk about your marriage and talk about the importance of marriage and what God says about marriage. And that um, some people, it might even introduce divorce if your kids haven't heard of that and what is divorce and why people choose that and and what God's plan is. And and clearly there's a lot of, um, there's so much grace if that's a part of anybody's story here, um, if divorce is, but to, um, and there's so many different reasons for that. But but to teach our kids those truths about um, God's plan for marriage. Um, so those are just like a few ways that I'm looking for opportunities just in everyday life. And then 
second would be just inten- intentional discipleship. And so just to have a plan of what you're doing with your kids, and it can be something really simple. It could just be like a simple devotional book or just something simple that you're teaching. It doesn't have to be big. Start small. And um, for us, in our house, we have Caldwell commitments. And so they're the 12 things that we want our kids to know before they leave our house. And so um, we do one a month, and there's a scripture that goes with them, and we talk about them at dinner time, and they have to say it before they leave the dinner table. And so that's one of our main ways we're discipling our kids. And March is stand firm in God's word, and they're memorizing the beginning of Psalm 1, which goes back to the tree planted by streams of water. And so that they know that Caldwell's is a family we're going to stand true in God's word, and we're not going to stand true in what the earth, the, the, the earth, the world says about things, but about what God says and what his word says. So we talk about that at dinner time. And then um, we make a deal, big deal about Sabbath on Sundays. And we'll have a big Sabbath cookie. And dad opens up the Bible and uh, teaches us from that. And um, then, um, yeah, so those are a couple of ways we're, like, intentionally discipling our kids. And then the last thing is something I'm really passionate about is uh, books. We love a good book in the Caldwell House. And so um, this is one of the main ways. And I actually put together a book list for y'all and... I believe they have that. I even looked at it on the back of your handout. Um, about hard topics and books that you can pull out just to have those conversations. So I love books because a book is not a lecture to your kids. A book is circling up, cuddling with your kids, pulling them on the couch, and opening up what other person, another person's thoughts. But then you get to discuss it and ask them what they think. And there's books about everything these days. And so there's so many gospel-centered good books. And so I love a good book that's just about the gospel so they can just like clearly know like heaven hell death like all the things they they can understand those things better there's books about what to do when I see a picture of someone naked and what should I do with that you know if because chances are our kids will come across that at some point and so there's even books about that there's books about how to protect our bodies and what language to give them with that there's awesome books um about so many different things. And so that's why I kind of pulled together a book list for y'all um, of a lot of books we read. Another, some other great books we read are when my kids are struggling with like self-doubt or how they view themselves. You know, one of my kids has had a hard year and would say like, hey, why did God put me on this earth? Like why, um, like sometimes I feel like I'm not the same. Or, and so just to pull out the books about God's image and um, what God's purpose is for them and are just great ways to, like, have those conversations with them. So, and God's word is great, but when you have really little kids, like, pulling out your leather-bound Bible is not just as effective for the really little ones. And so I think a good Christ-centered book um, is helpful. But then also any book you can turn into a character lesson of you know, about bullying or self-image. I mean, you can use books in a lot of great ways. So we, I love a good book. Yeah. We do a lot of reading in the Caldwell House. Yeah, I hope you guys will use that book list um, in your families. Talking about being proactive reminds me, I don't know if any of you guys have heard uh, Mary Flo Ridley's illustration of when you um, fill your kids, your kids are a sponge, and you're, you're where wisdom and truth are found, right? You're pointing them to wisdom and truth, and so if you're the one pouring that into them, this proactive piece, this intentional piece, like, I'm going to fill that sponge up now. I'm going to teach them what all the truths are so that when they go different places in the world and they hear other things that aren't necessarily true, it doesn't absorb because they're like, no, this is what my mom told me. You know, this is what my, what my parents taught me. And so I love that piece about being intentional and being proactive. Be the one to fill the sponge before they are out in the world and hearing. Our culture is not shy anymore, is it? I mean, everything is, 
is pretty in our face, and that's for our kids too. And so I want to encourage y'all to fill that sponge. Okay, so let's talk about the not proactive. Let's talk about the like in the heat of the moment, the bomb drops, the big question comes, the one you weren't prepared for, right? The time that you're driving and you say, how was your day? And you get this like, okay, what do you do in those moments? What's that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think you said a lot of great things about that. But I think for me, the biggest thing is just to be affirming. And I know you kind of shared that too of um, like, thank you for coming to me. I want you to come to me. Um, I just to, just to welcome them with open arms, like no question off limits. I'm not going to be defensive. Like, I just want you to always come to mommy with a hard question or um, with anything like that. I think the second would be to be slow to speak. I think we do want to raise uh, kids that are critical thinkers, right? And so I'm a talker, if you can't tell already. I like to talk. I can, I'm a quick to talk person. I'm a quick to speak person, which my husband knows very well, and so do my kids. And so I get to be slow to speak and to ask questions to start off the bat. You know, to always ask the questions, what do you think about that? Um, just to get their little brains thinking. And that helps you understand where they're at and where their heart is. And because sometimes they can be asking one question, but really mean something different. Or <laughs> So I just think it's always a great question to start um, what do you think about that? And then um, the last thing I would say is just to be trustworthy. And um, I think this is one thing where we can um, we can kind of be okay with telling our kids white lies sometimes or just small lies that, you know, they're just not ready or whatnot. And I would just encourage you that, like, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Like, God is truth, and Satan is the father of lies. And so we want to, whatever we speak to our kid, we always want it to be 100% truth, no matter what. And so sometimes that isn't telling them the full truth in a moment, because it might not be age-appropriate, but it is always speaking what is absolutely true. And so we try to form that foundation in our house, just to know that, like, mommy and daddy are always going to tell what's true. And it kind of a a fun way that that's come up in our house is uh, through Santa Claus and, um, uh, my husband was not on board with Santa Claus at first, and I was all about Santa Claus, so we had to have some discussions <laughs> before we had some kids, and um, we kind of decided and talked through things and decided to do the secret about Santa with our kids, and um, so, but just just this year, our oldest, our just turned um, eight-year-old comes, comes to Ben, and he was like, Dad, I know you were telling me the truth. I want you to tell me right now, do you put the presents under the tree? Like, he was like very emphatic, like, I need to know right now. And um, Ben knows what a big deal Santa is, you know, in our house. And he's like, well, let's talk to mom and we'll circle back up in a little bit, you know. <laughs> and so. Um, Good answer. Yeah. Yes. Great answer. And so because he knew that I would want to be a part of that conversation. Thanks, babe. And um, anyway, so he talked to me and we're like, oh, no. And he's going to tell the sister, you know, all the things, you know. And, and in our house, we're not going to lie about it. You know, we've always like when they're like, is Santa Claus real? I'm like, well, St. Nicholas was absolutely a real man is my response to that. And so, um, anyway, so we sat him down, we talked to him, but it was just, it was just really, really sweet to, that our boy to come to us and especially to his daddy and just to say, I know you're going to tell me the truth. And so we want that, right? And, and I think Santa Claus is a small way, but if they're going to come to you because they know you're going to tell this truth about Santa, they're also going to come to you for the bigger things in the future, right? And so my kids are little, so it is smaller things right now, typically, but we're fostering that relationship to mm -hmm. be trustworthy. So I just, that would be one and big encouragement is to always be trustworthy with there. Okay, two quick follow-ups to that. One, what if your kids ask you a question and the timing is inappropriate? Like, what if a, a younger sibling is around and they're not age-appropriate? Or what if they ask you a question in front of someone that it 
pertains to, and that feels awkward. Like, what do we do in those moments where it's like poor timing for the question? Yeah, absolutely. I think we've had a lot of real fun poor timing questions about babies because we've had a lot of babies in our house in the last few years. And so like when my oldest was real little and it was like baby number three, he'd be like, mommy, how does that baby come out? And I'm like, ooh, like you're a little young and he's also like a blurter. So I, and he's the one that would like go to everybody and be like, did you know how babies come out? And so I was like, I'm not quite ready to share this information with him. And so my biggest thing would be to go back to, um, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? And a lot of times that question alone will kind of like get them saying things. And I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. That's a great idea, you know, and to just keep asking that question. Sometimes that's enough to deter them. Um, sometimes it's not. I think about, um, we brought him to um, our appointment, our sonogram with baby number four. So this is his third baby sister, and he really wanted a brother, y'all. Like, really, really, really. He'd been praying for a brother. He did not get a brother. He's like, I already have two sisters. I don't need another one. <laughs> and so, yes, it was, it was a hard moment. I mean, we had, like, the pink balloons pop up, and he was, like, trying to close the balloons because he's like, I want to be a, a brother. So this was baby number four, the third girl. And so, anyway, so we brought him to the sonogram thinking just going to help him, and... Um, Anyways, and he was really excited, but he did look at the doctor, and he goes, so how are you going to get that baby out of my mom? And um, he was like, you know what? I had to go to school a really long time to figure that one out. And so it was just real sweet. So, like, I think there's ways that you can defer answers, you know? And so that's one way. And then... um, and then another is, I think when it's poor timing, just to say, just like Ben did, like, hey, can we circle back up with that later? Hey, can we talk about that when we get home? Can we talk about to mommy and daddy when we get home? And I, I think we have that same conversation a lot. So, um, yeah. yeah. And we do that in our house, too, even with the big kids. I'll say, you're just going to have to trust me that that conversation needs to come later. You know? Yes. Um, yes. That trust piece is trust. so huge that trust if me. your kids trust you, they know you're going to answer the questions or we're going to get to that. We'll circle back to it. But, um I think this happens a lot, you know, for me, it happened a lot when I had littles when we're in the grocery store and my kids are asking me like, why is that person so fat? Or why does that person look like that? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, These are conversations we can have later, you know? Um, And so those are, those are hard moments, but just to be able to say, you know, hey, let's talk about, let's talk about how you referred to that person or, you know, even, even word choice and how you asked the question or the volume in which you choose to ask the question and yes. what that can Let's mean. not point at people when you right. have a question about them. You know, yes, yeah. That. yeah, yeah, that's rough. It's hard. Yeah. Um, okay, what about, I love this. Um, Martha asked me to cover this question. And I love it because I wouldn't have thought of it. What about when <laughs> your kids don't ask you a question? They don't bring anything to you, but you've witnessed it and you know it needs to be addressed. You saw something happen. You saw something between two people or you saw your kid participate in something or a word was shared with your <laughs> with your kid in front of you. Mm-hmm. So you know that there needs to be a conversation, but they never asked about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so we definitely don't want to be passive, right? Because um, I think it's easy sometimes just be like, oh, there's so much to do. There's so much going on. Yeah, like, just to kind of sweep it under the rug. It's so easy to just ignore it. Yes. Was, well, let's just pretend like yes. that didn't happen. Yes. Um, and we do pick and choose sometimes depending on, but I, depending on the issue, but I do think in general we want to be, again, we want to plant those seeds of truth, right? Because we want them to have that truth so that when the hard things come, they, they already know the truth. It's not blindsiding them. And so I think getting one-on-one time with them is so great. And I know, Mandy, you talked about, like, it's so great, um, 
with girls, a lot of times it's better face-to-face, you know, and just my oldest girl, she's now six, and so she loves to get some mommy time and to, we have our little one-on-one dates on Friday nights. We do movie nights, and we t- do one-on-one time with, we, Ben and I rotate who we take out, and so my, they love just to get that special one-on-one time, and to get, they open up more when it's just the two of you, and so um, getting that face-to-face time with her or um, with Cade, my older boy, um, my oldest boy, it's that's side to side, you know, shoulder to shoulder, I think is what you called it. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's going on a walk or um, playing a game that he likes or something like that to get, um, or going, he always, without a doubt, I'm like, what do you want to do on mommy and son night? Arcade, it's arcade time. And I'm like, great, let's go to the arcade. And so going to the arcade and even like talking to him through that. And yeah. so I'm um, getting that one-on-one time is always the best place to start. And then just asking great questions, you know. Um, if I think, you know, if it's something they've said to a friend or if it's some hard situation, it's just drawing out their heart. Like, what was going on in your heart? What were you feeling? What were you thinking? What is God's word? What do you think God's word says about that? Like, what do you, how do you think God would have you respond to that? Or uh, what are your thoughts on that? And then going back to books, I think when my kids are really struggling with something or I'm seeing them, like I said, with the honesty thing, I'm pulling out my books about honesty and I'm flipping through trying to find what's going on there if they're having um, issues. My uh, two-year-old, well, she, again, she just turned three. She loves to get naked all the time. Does anybody else have kids like that? <laughs> they just like want to take off their clothes all the time. Yep. And so um, we've been talking about privacy. So I pulled out my book and I'm like, your body is special, you know, but there's place, you know, there's private parts and we need to keep them private. And, you know, my son's friends will come over and I'm having to tell all these moms, like, I'm so sorry. My daughter got naked again. Like, <laughs> so sorry. And so we're reading about privacy a lot in my house, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, yeah. Again, pulling out a good book is always yeah. a great place to go there. Yeah, that's so great. Um, I think that question ultimately goes back to what I was talking to you guys about at the beginning of the morning of just, like, embrace those moments. Don't be scared of them. Don't, don't shrink back in fear and think, oh, we'll, we'll cover that later. Like, use it as an opportunity. If you see a moment, if you hear something, witness something, that's, that's, that should be exciting. I'm trying to change your hearts to be excited about these conversations, right? To be like, yes, okay, I'm glad I got to witness that. Thank you, Lord. That was a gift. So now I can have this great conversation. Yes. Okay. We're wrapping it up. Mm-hmm. But what else would you want to share with these moms? Maybe some personal experiences that you've had this year. Yeah. And I kind of mentioned that we'd have a little bit of a rough year. And a little bit part of what that's looked like is we had a new baby. And my husband had just... Um, it was just stepping into this eldership role, and um, um, unfortunately, his dad passed away this past year, and just a few months ago, and um, in an unexpected way, and um, his dad um, is, was a sweet man, and um, but he did not know Jesus, and so my husband had been faithful to share Jesus with his dad so many times, but um, he was not a man that sought after God or sought after, uh, sought after his wisdom, and my kids knew that, and we prayed for Gramps, and um, we prayed that Gramps would trust in Jesus. And so, and they knew all those things. And they also know the gospel because we share that a lot with them. And um, who goes to heaven and all that. But, um, but when he passed away, you know, it was the, the conversation of, hey, where is Gramps now? And so, and that is a hard conversation, right? Like that is, like makes me tear up. Like that is a heartbreaking conversation because um, you, want your, you want to be able to just, Comfort comfort them and be like, of course he's in heaven, you know. But again, going to back, like, we have to go back to the gospel and what is true, right? And so um, for us, it was asking questions and saying, what do you think? Like, well, what do you think? And and again, since we've shared the gospel, they're like, well, we know that 
who goes to heaven? Well, people that trust in Jesus, you know, people that choose to run towards God and not run away from God and his goodness. And um, so, and then we talked about that. And at the end of the day, we just got to look at them and say, hey, at the end of the day, we just don't know. We hope, we hope that Gramps in his final moments, we hoped that he reached out to the Lord. And you know what? We can rest in peace knowing that daddy shared the gospel with him so many times that he knew the gospel. And so maybe he did. Maybe in his final moments, maybe he reached out to the Lord and called upon Jesus for salvation. But we don't know. And that's really, really hard. Um, Because they knew their gramps and they loved their gramps. And um, so it was hard not just, just I I wanted to just be like, oh, he's just in heaven. We'll see him when we get there. But just to say, we don't know. And so, um, that was, that's really hard. And they'll bring that back up and they'll ask questions a lot about him. And again, he was a sweet man, but um, like he left um, Ben's mom when Ben was a little boy. And so they'll have a lot of questions. They have a lot of questions around him and, and around, especially with him passing away. And like, why would he, why would he divorce Nana? And they're starting to understand this idea about divorce. And that even came up recently where Ben and I got into a little disagreement in the car and my son looked at me and said, are you going to leave each other? And we were like, what? You know, they're like, you know how Gramps left, you know. And just to, um, just to look at him and be like, yes, like Gramps left because he, again, he was not following God's way. And again, there's different stories for different divorces, but for him, he was not seeking God and his goodness and his good way. And that affected a lot of people and caused a lot of heartbreak. And your daddy is not his daddy. And your daddy loves Jesus. And we not only do we love Jesus, we love each other. Like, I love this man, and there is nothing that would make me want to leave him. And if, and even if there was, I wouldn't because we are rooted and uh, stand firm in God's word, right? And so we uh, know what God's word says about marriage, and we have promised each other. And even to, like, pull out our vows and read our vows with him and just to be like, we are never, ever going to leave each other, and y'all can know that. And so, um, but yeah, so I think his life is just caused for... Mm-hmm. A lot of hard conversations, but to your point, good, like good conversations because my kids know what divorce is. They know um, what it's like when you have a family member that passes away that doesn't know Jesus. And so we're having a lot of these hard conversations, but that are forming them and shaping them for the rest of their lives. And so um, I hate that this is the way they had to learn those things, but, um, but also I see God redeeming it for his good and his glory. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I love the we're kind of ending on the fact that we may not even know the answers to the questions our kids ask. There's going to be a lot of those moments where we get to go before them and just go, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I knew that, but I don't know that. And this side of heaven, we just might not know that. Um, And it goes back to trusting the Lord, right? And so we're trusting the Lord with that. We're trusting the Lord with that. Um, Thank you, Terry for sharing and for being so vulnerable and answering all those questions. Um, we're going to do table time. There's a couple of questions for y'all to talk through. Um, and I hope these will be beneficial to you guys. And again, just to dive in a little bit more specifically with your small group of women. And um, I'll come up and close this right at the end, okay? Okay, mamas. It's that dreaded time where it's almost time to leave. I know that you guys love being at tables together and having conversation and connecting with each other. And I hope that you were able to really talk through some of this stuff. It's an ongoing conversation, right? There'll be more to share, more to talk through. 
Um, and that's what your table leaders are there for. They want to hear from you. If you want to continue the conversation, then that's what they're there for. But as we walk out the doors, I want to leave you with one final thought. This is in 2 Kings 19 and in Isaiah 37, okay? I'm going to set the scene because this is the retelling of King Hezekiah when he was under attack from the Assyrian army. So the Assyrians were like the dominant world power at the time, okay? They had invaded Judah. They had marched against Jerusalem. They had conquered most of the northern kingdom and many other nations, and now they were threatening Judah, okay? And this is where King Hezekiah is. And um, it's during this time that King Hezekiah receives a letter from the king of Assyria and uh, from a messenger. So a messenger delivers this letter, right? And he opens it and he reads it. This is Mandy's interpretation of what it would say in everyday language. Hey, don't let the God you depend on deceive you. Haven't you heard what we've done to all these other countries? We're about to do the same thing to you and nothing can save you. So imagine getting a letter like that, like, ooh, okay, you're about to overtake my entire country. Kind of hits a little close to home with all the Russia and Ukraine stuff, right? The enemy is after our families. He wants to deliver this letter in the form of all these really hard topics, all of these things that are hitting our world and are facing our children today, right? Homosexuality, divorce, um, gender issues, even death of a, of a non-believer, all these heavy topics that we're trying to navigate how to, how to handle these with our kids. And sometimes we receive this letter, and it feels like doomsday. It feels like that day in the doctor's office. The walls are closing in. How are we going to handle this? What should I do? Some of you haven't experienced it yet, and that, yay. <laughs> but I don't think anybody is out of the woods on this one. I think every family is going to have days where these topics enter into your world. And um, I love King Hezekiah's response. I want you to listen to his prayer. He opens this letter, he reads it, and he immediately goes and prays before the Lord. And he says, uh, well, let me start from the beginning. This is verse 14 in 2 Kings 19. Hezekiah received the letter from the messenger and he read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord. He spread it out, spread the letter out on the floor. Before the Lord, and King Hezekiah prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words that he has sent to me that have insulted God. It's true, Lord. The Assyrian kings have laid waste to all of these nations in their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire, and they have destroyed them, for they were not gods at all. They were wood and stone fashioned by men's hands. Now, O Lord God, deliver us from the hand, so that all kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord God. I love this prayer, and I love thinking about it as a mom in heavy and hard situations. And I feel like I've lived through a few of them. And I know there's so many more to come. Maybe I haven't even hit the hard ones yet, you know. But I love that thought of going before the Lord and laying it before him and saying, man, God, here it is. This, this is what has come before us. This is what's hit our family. These are the conversations we're having about all the sin in this world and how my kids are going to handle it and, and what they're going to step into. And as your kids get older and are, are inundated with it, totally inundated with it, it can feel really overwhelming. And I want to encourage you to lay it out before the Lord and to ask him, 
and to help him, to help us to walk in the right way. I just love that picture of just like, Lord, I don't have any control over this. I don't have any control over what my kids see, what my kids hear, what my kids are exposed to, but you are in control and I trust you with it. And so would you would you handle this? Would you make would you make this right? Would you help my kids through this? Would you help me mother through this? I don't know how to mother through this. I love that picture. And I want to leave that picture with you guys today because those days are coming. If they haven't come yet, they're going to come. And I want you to be excited to engage in those conversations. But when you're inwardly feeling like, oh, I wish it wasn't so, lay it before the Lord. Because I don't know how many of you have read the story before, but there's no reason why King Hezekiah shouldn't have just been completely obliterated off the face of the earth. And instead, he prayed that prayer. He laid it before the Lord. He went to sleep. And when he woke up, all those people were dead. Okay, that's how you want to handle that, Lord. (laughs) I just think that God doesn't work in our boxes. He handles things in his way, and it always blows my mind. The same thing with that coach story. I I couldn't have imagined that it would have gone the way that it would have gone. But we laid it before the Lord, and we asked God to move, and he did. And that coach's life has changed forever. He told us that in an email. He went in, he was humble, he owned his stuff, and he said, you've changed the trajectory of my coaching and my life. That is not a toot of my horn. That is, that is the Lord. That is because we laid it before him and we said, I don't know what to do with this. I don't want it, and I don't know what to do with it, but would you do something with it? And he does. And it's so impactful when we take those hard situations, when we take those topics that our kids are coming to us, we pause, we have that introspection, we go before the Lord, lay it in front of him. Lay it in front of him and watch and see what he does. It's pretty amazing. I'm going to pray for you guys before you leave, and then I think Martha has some announcements. Father, We are so thankful for you and for your word and for how it is alive and living and active and still making such a difference in 2022. Lord, I pray for these moms. I pray for them to be excited for the conversations that are coming that might be little conversations right now, Lord, but help them to be honest and truthful and forthright. Help them to dig into God's word with their families. Help them to pray over those situations with their families because as their kids grow, those situations grow. And Lord, you're in control of all of them. The small stuff, the big stuff, the things we feel like we are quote-unquote in control of and the things that we feel completely inadequate to handle, Lord. We know that we have to be dependent on you and we know that you are up to big things, way bigger things than we can ever ask or imagine. And so thank you for letting us be moms. Thank you for that title, for that role, for that privilege. May we steward it well. We love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Thank you, Mandy. Um, Just a couple quick things. Um, First off, it is 12.03, so be super grateful to Training Ground when you go pick up your kids because we are already over time. They love serving us, but it's just always worth the extra thank you. So also mark your calendars. Our next event is April 8th. Callie Nixon is going to be speaking. We're super excited to hear from her. So the registration is going to open March 28th. I know that's always like, that's the date you actually want to know about. March 28th is when registration opens. Invite some friends. Let them know registration is going to be open. It's going to be great. And for those of you who found your own child, 
childcare and didn't use training ground, super huge thank you for you. You opened up a space where somebody knew to come. Um, and I think that's it. So grab a extra drink on the way out and we will see y'all next month. <laughs>